for leading us in that. And man, I'm so glad that you're here. I, I say it like this, but I think everybody that shows up to the first service on Daylight Savings Time weekend, come on, you're getting a little extra uh, jewel in your crown in heaven. Come on, somebody, right? Just a little extra, just bonus points in heaven. And uh, I, that's a joke, just by the way. But uh, I, I'm just really glad that you're here. Uh, and again, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, I'm hoping, as we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, that we would not just come into church and just have church. And we wouldn't just come into church and just kind of go through the motions and do the thing, but that we would come in and ask God. Hopefully you're walking in expecting that God is going to meet us in this place, and we're expecting that God is going to do something. And every time we declare Him, every time we sing His praise, man, that God is in the middle of it, and we're going to just be excited about what He's going to do. And I'm looking forward to today. Is anybody else excited to be at church today? Come on. Anybody excited? I love it. I love it. Well, I, I want to start off by saying, too, that, uh, again, uh, we talked about the Easter egg drop here in a few weeks, but I just want to kind of give you also a precursor for what's coming the week after that, and it's Easter Sunday. Come on, we're going to preach on Easter Sunday, and it's going to be all about Jesus. It's going to sit, we're going to sing, we're singing five songs on Easter Sunday, so y'all just get ready. We're singing a lot. It's going to be great, but my thing is, is that we're going to declare Jesus, and we're adding another service for you to be able to invite somebody to be here with you, and so we know that that's spring break week. We understand that. We're going to have an eight o'clock service for all you early risers in the room, all right? I know it'd be like, woo, that's early. But uh, sometimes on Easter, man, it's good. Get out the bed. You maybe want to go with your family to somewhere else, or maybe you got dinner planned early, or you got to cook or whatever. Eight o'clock in the morning, first service, and then we're doing a 930 service, and then our same service at 1045. So eight, 930, and 1045. That's going to be the plans for Easter. And I want to tell you guys, bring and do whatever you got to do to get somebody here with you Easter Sunday. It's an easy invite. Most people will say at Christmas and Easter, hey, yeah, I'll show up. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll come. And so I'm going to challenge you today. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to give you some invitation cards, man, where you can just be inviting your friends, inviting your family. I encourage you to share some stuff online, on social media, just telling them, hey, you got to come and see what God is going to do. Just come and, come and be a part of what God is going to do here at Easter at Purpose Church. Is anybody, I'm excited about it. Are you excited about Easter at Purpose Church? Come on. Right, we're going to kick it off with an egg drop. We're going to spend that whole week following up with people that signed up for the egg drop to be able to invite them to the church. And I'm just really excited uh, for that over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be great. But last week, we started a brand new series called What Would Jesus Do? WWJD. Tap your neighbor. Say, What Would Jesus Do? What Would Jesus Do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started talking about this idea of what would Jesus do last week, and we decided to start talking about, like, literally leading all the way up to Easter, we're going to look at, like, okay, the last week of Jesus' life, okay? So we're going we're gonna to take the last six days, seven days of Jesus' life, and we're going to talk about it, we're going to walk through it, we're going to see what would Jesus do. And I got that question I want to ask you right now. I asked it last week, but I thought we'd start again with it. If you had six days to live, right? If you only had six days to live, how would you live? What would your life look like? What would you be doing? Where would you find yourself? What, would, what, what, what kind of conversations would you be having? Like who would you be spending time with? And I think as we look at that, we're going to look at the life of Jesus. And again, we're going to see the last seven days of his life. We're going to look at this week called Passion Week that the Bible literally spends 29 out of 85 chapters in the Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just four eyewitness accounts to the life of Jesus. They spend 29, the authors spend 29 chapters writing about the last week of Jesus' life. 29 out of 85. How many of y'all know there's some pretty good importance in the last week of Jesus' life? They're going to spend like literally a third of, of their entire 
gospels writing about it. So let's learn from it. Let's, let's begin to say, hey, what would Jesus do? And then let's apply it to our life, right? Let's apply it to yours and my life. And so that's what we're going to do today. And so last week we kicked off talking about the Saturday and Sunday before Jesus was crucified. So we started talking about this lady that anointed Jesus' feet. And then that kind of that worship, man, going after Jesus with awe and abandonment and all, right? We talked about those three things last week. If you missed it, go check it out. Uh, and then I've, actually, I feel like that stuff kind of spilled out into the streets as Jesus is coming into town. He's riding on a donkey and he's coming into town. And literally, they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, right there, worshiping Jesus that he is the king. And they thought he was the earthly king, but guess what? He's the king of all kings forever, right? And so we, we kind of learned about that last week. And this week, we're going to take it on Monday and Tuesday. We're going to look at the next two days of the week together. But we're going to be reading out of uh, Mark chapter 11. So if you got your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Mark chapter 11. We're going to be there for about 13 verses. So you're going to hang on for a little bit, all right? We're going to read this together. If you don't have your Bibles, I encourage you every week, just bring that thing because we're going to open it every week together. And I want to encourage you, if you don't have it, it's going to be up here on this big old giant Bible screen behind me. Uh, but we're going to read uh, verse 11 through verse 24. And we're going to see kind of Monday and Tuesday unfold of the last week of Jesus' life. Everybody okay with that? About six of you. I said, everybody okay with that? Okay, cool, cool. Let's do it. This is Mark chapter 11, verse 11. If you're ready for God's word, say, I'm ready. Here's what it says. All right, this is the Bible. This is what it says. Verse 11, it says, so Jesus, this is right after he's riding into town. Everybody's praising Jesus. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? They're waving the palm branches. They're doing all, they're laying their cloaks down and their coats down on the ground so he can walk on them. The donkey can. And then this is what happens. So Jesus came to Jerusalem. This is still Sunday night. And went into the temple. And watch what it says. After looking around carefully at everything, he then left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. The next morning. So now we're on Monday. Everybody tracking? Monday morning. Here's what happens. As they're leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. How many hungry people we got in the room? Come on, somebody. We're always hungry. I'm with you. He noticed. Somebody say noticed. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little ways off. So he went over to see, somebody say see, see if he could find any figs. But watch what it says, there was only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And watch the disciples heard him say it. Then it says, when they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple. So he went to the temple the day before, kind of looked around, enters the temple, and watch what it says. He began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables. How many of y'all heard that before? Jesus flipping tables, right? Anybody ever heard that? Come on, wave at me if you've heard that. Okay. This is where it's at right here. Right here, we're, we're reading it together. So he flipped over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. Side note, that doesn't mean like merch in the lobby of a shirt, okay? I just want everybody to understand that, okay? I want, I want people to get, kind of get that. This was like people would have to show up at the temple to sacrifice for their sins to be covered for the year, right? It's what they had to do. And people were making a killing off of it. They, they were making it so hard for people to even come to church and be a part of it. They were making it so hard for them to even be able to sacrifice, to buy sacrifices. And Jesus looks at it and says, no, 
that ain't going to happen in the temple. Not going to happen there. So he starts flipping tables, stopped and declared, uh, stopped and everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. We're halfway there. Everybody good? All right, here we go. But when the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning on how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. That evening, so this is Monday evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. The next morning, everybody tracking? It's Tuesday morning. Everybody good? Tuesday morning, as they passed the fig tree that had been cursed, the disciples noticed that it had withered from the where? Roots up. Somebody say roots. Roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus said to the tree on the previous day and said, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree that you cursed has withered and died. And Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth that you can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you'll receive it, it will be yours. I'm going to read verse 25. But when you are praying first, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. All right, that's, that's what we got a chance to read together. How about we break it down together a little bit today? All right, everybody good with that? But I want to give you the title of today's message first. I want you to write this down. We're just going to call it the, the Tree in the Temple. We're going to call it the tree in the temple today. Just going to kind of make it real simple, not real catchy, but just the tree in the temple. And we're going to talk about those two things and what they can mean for us. I really do believe that we can learn something from this. I really do believe that we can walk away from something of what we just saw happen in these couple of verses together. But come on, let's pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to speak to us how He only can, like whatever you're walking through. I love that the Holy Spirit can speak to you and me directly. And I'm going to ask for that today, all right? Let's just pray together. God, we thank you so much for today. We love you. We honor you. We praise you. We thank you for your word. We pray that everything that's said and done today, it would go to honor and glorify your name, King Jesus. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, if we love Jesus in the house, can we make a little bit of noise all across the room for Jesus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a few things today that we can learn from this story. And I'm going to jump right in. I hope you're ready. I hope you want to take some notes. I always say note takers are history makers. So you're at the first service on daylight savings time weekend and you take notes. That for sure is getting you some brownie points in heaven. All right. So I'm just telling you, take some notes because you may not need it today. But I believe the Lord can speak to you maybe this week. Or I, I believe he's going to speak to you today. Honestly, I really do believe that. I believe there's going to be something that the Holy Spirit points out today that you and I are going to have to work on. And so the very first thing I think we can learn from this story right here that Jesus, and I love this about Jesus, that Jesus comes into town riding on a donkey. And the first place he goes is the temple. And the Bible says, according to the Bible, it says he's looking around carefully at everything. Right, he's taking it all in. He, and, and then what happens is he goes back to Bethany for the night. And then Monday morning he walks, and I had you say it out loud, but he noticed a fig tree, right? He sees this fig tree, and then finally he goes over and sees 
if it has any fruit. And so what I, what I want us to understand and what I just kind of take from this idea, there's going to be three points today, and they're all starting with the letter S. Come on, somebody. Like, I think that's all preachers do. It's like just, okay, how can we make these words start, like alliteration? How can we start with all the same letter? But they're all going to start with the S today. And I think the thing that I think we can learn from Jesus right here in this story is the fact that we got to see it. Somebody say, see it. Yeah, yeah, we got to see it, and I think that's so important. I love that the very first thing that happens, both instances, Jesus, what he does, he begins to look on these things that were not operating according to their purpose, right? They weren't fulfilling the purpose that they were designed for, and again, in both instances, he's evaluating that. He's seeing this tree, and he's seeing the temple, and he begins to understand, okay, the temple, this is supposed to be a house of prayer. This is supposed to be a place of worship, and what Jesus sees is it's not operating that way. It's not happening. He sees it, and then also, he's looking at this tree that should be bearing fruit, that, that again, the, the goal of this tree is to bear figs. It's to have figs on it, and Jesus didn't see any fruit that was there. And so I think the first thing that we can learn, the thing that we can see that just like Jesus, is that you and I, we got to see it. One more time, say, we got to see it got to see it. I love that the first thing that he does as he's coming into town, the last week of his life, he's on mission, and here's what I know, he sees it. And if Jesus did it, I think we should do it as well. And so this is what I'm going to ask all of us today. I want you and I to begin to see it in our own life and begin to ask this question of us, what is in my life that shouldn't be there? Like, come on, let's begin to ask ourselves this tough question. This is a hard question to answer. But I want you to begin to ask it. I want you to begin to say, okay, hey, what is in my life that should not be there? What am I building my life on? What am I building my life around? What is it that I'm built that is building my entire life? And I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you. I believe the word of God would challenge us that we got to look introspectively. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't need to be looking out at everybody else and say, oh, you don't know what they did. Like, y'all know what they did or said. Or I, I, I'm really, I really can't do anything about it because of what happened to me. I'm going to challenge all of us today that you and I would say, no, no, no. I'm going to begin, instead of passing blame on other people, I'm not looking around making excuses. I, I'm going to take inventory of my own life. I'm going to look at myself. I'm going to see it. Somebody say, see it. I'm going I'm to ask God, God, would you give me spiritual eyesight? God, would you give me a, a, a way of seeing our life? And is there anything that's coming in between me and you, Lord? Like, I need you to show me. Where, where in my life is there sin? Where in my life am I falling short? Where in my life am I putting other things before you, Jesus? Come on, watch this. This is what I think is so important. I think a lot of us find ourselves busy in life, right? Come on, how many of y'all busy? Come on, wave at me. Busy. I think we're all there, but here's my thing. I got to ask us, and I got I to ask myself this, and I want God to show us today. God, help us see it. Am I busy? Like, like I know I might be busy, but am I fruitful? That's the thing I want to challenge us with. Like, I, I know I might be busy. I know there might be activity going on, but am I bearing fruit in the middle of it? And if we're not, we got to see it. I, again, I'm asking for Ephesians 1.18 to be the prayer of our heart. That God, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That they may be opened. That we will be able to see it in order that we might know the hope that which he has called you and I to. Right? And so again, I think so many times what happens is we come into church and we come into life and we say, Oh, you know what? I, I don't know. I gotta, I'm going to kind of look at everybody else. I'm going to look at what's going on around me. And I'm challenging us today. Would you look within you? Would you ask God, God, what is it within me? 
What is it inside of me right now that, I, that you're trying to pinpoint? What is it inside of me that is in between me and you? And I, I want to ask God that he would just show us that today. And again, I think it's so important that we start off just like Jesus and we see it. He evaluated it. He took it all in. He saw it. So if somebody say, see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's valuable to see it. But here's the thing. I don't think it's just valuable to see it and not do anything about it. Right? Like, here's the thing. I want you to see it. I'm asking God that he would show us. But then I'm going to ask, you know what? Hey, I think God wants us to do something about it. That's what I love about Jesus, right? That's what I love about Jesus in this story. Shows up and he sees it. And then guess what? He does something about it. Come on, somebody, right? Like he shows up. It wasn't just good enough to notice it. No, no, no. It wasn't just good enough just to look at it. It actually drove him to action. And that's where the change has to take place. So what happens is Jesus shows up at the temple. He looks around. He evaluates everything going on. He's looking. He's looking. He's looking. And guess what? He notices again. This is not operating the way it's supposed to. He goes to the fig. He notices the fig. He sees the fig. This fig should be bearing fruit, right? There should be fruit on the vine of this fig. And what happens is he notices that, but here's what I know, and I want to challenge you. It wasn't just good enough for Jesus to see it. He had to go and do something about it. And again, I just think for some of us, I love the fact that Jesus got to the root of the issue, right? Jesus got to the root of the problem. And I don't know about you, is anybody out there ever, uh, love, anybody, anybody in the room just love picking weeds out there? Come on, somebody. Anybody? Come on. If you do, I'm putting you to work in my house. Come on, right? I don't think any of us like pulling weeds at the house. I mean, sometimes, like on a day like today, give me some 75 and sunny and I'll pull some weeds. Come on, somebody, right? Like, like I think a lot of us, like when it comes to weeds, what happens is, is like, we'll just kind of like put, uh, I, I, again, if you're in your house or in your flower bed or whatever, you'll go to it sometimes, and I don't know about you if you've ever get that point where you get over to it and you try to pull it up and you only get the top of it, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? And you got to dig them fingers down in that dirt, come on somebody, and you got to get the root out. Right? I, I think this is exactly what Jesus is doing. Like, like, like he's not just flipping tables just to flip tables. Jesus is getting to the root of the problem. Like he's getting to the root of it. And I think the root is so important that you and I, we try to window dress it all day long. But I think Jesus is calling us to go further than that. Yes, he's calling us to see it, but he's calling us to do something about it. And I think that's so important for yours in my life. Where in my life do I need to see it, and then what do I need to do about it? And I think there's a, a way that we can do something about it. And I'm going to give us six things that this is going to help you today. And I think that if you put this into practice, I think in the next six days of your life, right, I'm going to give you six things. If you will put these six things into practice, I really do believe that your life is going to look different. And I, I love that so much that we can actually have kind of like, uh, like you can see some difference, right? How many of y'all know if you can see the difference in the gym or eating healthy in seven days? Come on, we signing up for that. Come on, somebody, right? Yeah, I can have abs in seven days. Yes, I'll do it, all right? Like we want results. Well, I promise you if you will put these things into actions, I believe your life will look differently. I believe that there will be some roots that begin to be uh, rooted and pulled up, and I think there's going to be some roots that are going to eventually be pull, uh, pushed down into the dirt that are good roots. And So I'm going to tell you six things, but they're in two different categories, okay? One category is the idea of you have to starve these three things, and the other category is you have to sow the other three things, okay? So we got to see it, we're going to starve some, and we're going to sow some. Everybody good with that? So I'm going to give you three things underneath this idea of starving. But, but, but first, I kind of want to give you this, 
this, uh, the whole big idea around the whole idea of starving and sowing. Here's the thing. What you starve dies, but what you sow grows. So what you starve dies, but what you sow grows. I think we learned this principle right here from Jesus. That there's this cursing of the fig tree that takes place. That what I starve dies, but what I feed will begin to produce fruit and it will grow. And again, coolest part is that over the next week you can evaluate your life. That you can put these things into practice. What you starve, three things, and then three things of what you'll begin to feed or what you'll begin to sow. And I think your life is going to look different. Everybody good? Everybody ready for these six things? Say, if you're ready. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right, first thing that we're going to starve right now. First thing we need to write down is we're going to starve it. We're going to starve doubt. We're going to starve doubt. See, some of you in the room don't even realize how much doubt has crept into your life. That everything about you, like you're second-guessing everything. That everything that you hear, everything that you see. Now, again, let me just preface some of these things. Some of these things, I'm not asking you to stick your head in the sand and act like nothing's going on. It's not what I'm asking you to do. But I think doubt is believing what the world thinks about things. And I think we've allowed that to be on the inside of us sometimes. That we've allowed, okay, okay, I'm allowing what the world says and what the world thinks and what the world does to creep into my life. And what is it doing? It's causing doubt. And it gets us away from God's reality and puts the focus on earth's reality. It's really what doubt does. It takes our eyes off of God and puts it on our circumstance. That's really what doubt does. And I'm just trying to challenge some of us. Would we begin to starve that? Would you and I begin to starve this idea of doubt? That we're putting our eyes on the creation rather than the creator. Come on, let's begin to starve that in our life this week. How are we going to do that? I'll tell you about it in just a second. What are the things that we need to sow in order for that to take place? I'll tell you in just a second. But I think the first thing that we got to do is recognize and just evaluate your life. you got to see it. Again, somebody say, see it. God, would you help me see it? See it in my life. Where in my life is there doubt? Where in my life, in my personal walk with you, Jesus, where am I seeing earth's perspective and not your perspective? Come on, begin to ask that this week. Begin to ask that today, that God would help me see that. And again, let's starve it. I'll tell you how to in just a second. But that's, that's one thing we need to do. I think doubt also feeds into this next one that we got to begin to starve, and it's negativity. Come on, some of y'all in the room got the spiritual gift of negativity. Come on, somebody, right? Is it true? Like, I think, again, a lot of us, we either welcome it or we are it, right, when it comes to negativity. Like, we either going to welcome it or we are it. And I think, I think what I'm going to challenge our church to is this idea that we got to begin to starve negativity. This idea of, oh, my gosh, look how cold it is outside. It's raining again. My job stinks. My car Stinks. We'll take it through the drive-thru and get some, get some air freshener. Not, not if it stinks. I'm just kidding. Sorry. It's a dad joke. It was terrible. Sorry. I'll keep going. <laughs> this traffic stinks. Right? I, there, there's all of these things that are going on. Can you believe that they did this? Can you believe, I, 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 can you believe what they said about that? And I think this idea of negativity comes in a lot of different forms, but a lot of us welcome it. And a lot of us find ourselves feeding it rather than starving it. Now, I just got to challenge some of us this week. I am convinced that you and I will never see our life grow as long as we're feeding negativity and not starving it. This week alone, I, in my own life, I had a lot of negativity and doubt that was going on. 
And here's what I think. If we're not careful, we begin to add negativity and doubt, and we begin to feed that stuff. We begin to look into that stuff. We begin to chase rabbit trails of feeding this doubt, insecurity, and negativity. And again, I'm not saying do not not know about world events and things that are going on around you and being self-aware. I think self-awareness is so important. But I'm telling you, I have to remind myself, and I had to do it this week, that i got to think what God thinks, and i got to say what God says. And the fact is, just like what we sang a second ago, nothing surprises our God. Who is really in charge here? He is. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. God, you run on a different economy. God, your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God, your ways are different than our ways. God, you have a plan, a future and a hope for me and no matter what's going on around me I can trust that God is working in me yeah I know what the stock market says yeah I know what culture says yeah I know what government says but I will choose to have a Proverbs 3 5 mentality that I will trust in the Lord with all of my heart and not lean on my own understanding I'm going to trust what God says not what the world has to say about us come on if we believe that is there anybody saying hey I'm going to starve negativity this week I'm going to starve some doubt this week Let's begin to do those things. So, so maybe for some of us, we need to cut off the news channel. Dang, we talk about news in the, in the church. Yes. Read it. Don't watch it. So that's a really easy way to get it unbiased for the most part. Read it in a newspaper, those flappy things that we used to read all the time, right? Rather than watch it. I encourage you. Maybe you've been spending too much time not just on the news, but maybe your news feed. Come on, somebody. And that is feeding doubt and negativity in your life. And I'm just going to challenge you. Would you begin to starve that? Because I think it's so important that we starve it. Because what happens is if we don't, we begin feeding it and feeding it and feeding it. And what happens is when we feed it, it grows. And if you're sowing that in your life, come on, I'm asking you to take some inventory. What am I sowing? Let's begin to starve doubt and negativity. The third one I'm going to spend the most time on is this idea, you got to starve sin. I'm going to spend some time on this really quick because I think it's so important that I ask this question. Are you going to places? Are you doing things? Are you putting yourself in situations where you know you're going to be in a compromised position where sin is likely to happen? And if you are, starve it. Starve it. Kill it at its root. Cut it off. And I know that's some strong language in church, right? You, you don't usually hear like this idea of killing it in church and, and like cutting it off in church. I know that's strong language, but Jesus was intense in this, the, the, the portion of the Bible that we read today. Jesus was pretty intense when it comes to fruitlessness and unfaithfulness. He was pretty intense with it. Like, like literally, he was intense with fruitlessness. He cursed, cursed the table. He didn't cuss. Don't, tell, don't, 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 don't say that. He cursed the table, okay? The table. My gosh, he didn't curse the table. He flipped the tables. He cursed the fig tree. I'm sorry. But Jesus was intense. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is, this is, we're going to start. I feel like 9 o'clock right now, not 10 o'clock. Okay, well, we'll keep going. Jesus was intense when it comes to fruitlessness. He cursed the fig tree. Jesus was intense when it comes to unfaithfulness and sin. And he flipped the tables and he cleansed the temple. And I want us to see that there's another time that Jesus doesn't use, like, I think when we think of Jesus, we think of, like, long, blind, like, walking down the, the beach, and he's just like, ah, like, and he's carrying a lamb. I think that's what we think about. 
I think that's what we think about when we think of Jesus. Jesus uses some intense language. You want to know another area of intensity that Jesus has? It's in this area of sin. Matthew 5, he says it like this, verse 27. You have heard the commandments that say you must not commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with, it, with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, come on somebody, causes you to lust, what's he say? Gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And hey, if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. Listen to me. He's not literally talking about ripping your eye out or cutting your arm off, okay? We'd have some one-eye cyclopses walking around all over the place if that's the case, all right? He's not talking about that, but he is talking about this intensity towards your sin. He's talking about, hey, 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 he's asking them to see it, and then guess what? Starve it. Kill it. Don't make peace with it. Do something about it. And here's the thing I have, I, I felt like the Lord was kind of impressing on me this week, is I think there's some of us in the room that we have gotten too comfortable with our sin. And we've gotten too comfortable that we're making excuses for it. But, but I'm praying God, would you give us spiritual eyes to see it if there's any sin in between me and you? And then not only that we would see it, but we would do something about it. That we would begin to starve it. That we would begin to say, hey, God, give me the strength this week to starve this area of my life. Colossians 3, Paul is writing, and he says this, so put to death, some more strong language, right? Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Listen to me. He didn't say, hey, hey, put it to sleep. He didn't say tuck it in at night. He didn't say cover it up. He didn't say make friends with it. What did Paul say? He said, put it to death. Put it to death. The Bible says cut the life source off from it, starve it, and kill it. Listen to me. Some of you have forgotten how good you can feel spiritually and in tune with God because we have allowed things like doubt, negativity, and sin to be fed in our lives instead of starving them out. Because what you feed, what you sow grows, but what you starve dies. And my question for you is this. What area of your life, what in your life is taking up space but not producing fruit? What area of your life is taking up space and not producing fruit? You know what I'm asking you to do this week? Starve it. Starve it. Cut, put it to death. Right? What area of your life, what area of my life is there sin in between me and you, God, I've got to starve it. I've got to put it to death. You already died for it on the cross, but yet I keep going back to it instead of you. Okay, God, how do I make sure I change that? How do we do something about it? What in my life? Take inventory. What in my life is taking up space but not producing any fruit? I know that's kind of a, a, a negative way of looking at it maybe, but I, I think it's actually positive because sometimes cancer that's in your body when, you, when you're able to remove the cancer from your body, guess what happens? That you become healthier. And there may be a painful cut that gets there. There may be some chemotherapy or radiation, something I've had to go through even in my own life as a chemo. Uh, a chemo. I had as a cancer as a kid. Right? I went through this chemo treatment, but it was killing the cells inside of me that didn't need to be there. And I think some of us need to just take our lives through this idea 
of this spiritual starvation where we're saying, you know what, there are some things in my life that I can't keep going there. I can't be doing these things. I can't be being around these people because I am going to sin if I am. I'm going to challenge some of us today that would we take that and say, hey, you know what? Jesus is asking us to see it, starve the things that aren't producing fruit, and then sow some really good things on the other side of it. So the last thing I think we got to do is sow it. Somebody say sow it. All right, so we got to see it. we got to starve it. we got to sow it. What, what should I begin to sow? What should I begin to feed in order for there to be fruit on the other side? Where, where do I need to put some roots down? Come on, somebody. Knowing that the storms of life are coming, right? It's going to happen. Rain is coming. Wind's coming for anybody, everybody. That's why roots are so important. So while I love the Bible, what it says in verse 20. It says, the next morning as they passed by the fig tree that Jesus had cursed, the disciples noticed that it had withered from the what? Roots up. That to me is telling me how important roots are in our life. That's telling me how important it is to sow some really good things. You know what, roots, and and one of my overseers right now is in a series I loved that he's doing, and he's talking about this idea of roots, and he said that the roots are a sign of strength, that roots are the way that we receive. And here's the deal, fruit is a natural byproduct of roots. And so here's the thing, the goal is to produce fruit. The goal is that you're in my life, That something fruitful would come from it. That something would come out of our life right now that is bearing fruit. So what do you need, what do I need to begin to sow in order to produce some fruit? You ready for it? Three things. Are you ready? Number one, God's word. I'm going to sow God's word. Because if we're going to believe what God believes, if we're going to have the thoughts that are his thoughts, if we're going to say the things that are what he says, there's only one place to find it, and it's in his word. It's right here. And I'm asking some of us, maybe we've actually starved this of our life. And you wonder why you're so hungry. You wonder why you're searching for everything else. You know why? I think it's because we haven't fed on this. I think it's because we haven't sown what God's word says into our life. Really what the Bible does is it helps reprogram our minds a little bit to God's reality. And as I'm reading it and as I'm studying it, it, the author is reading and studying me. It's living and active. And this is the only book in all of history that as you read it, it can read you. Come on, somebody, right? That's what happens. And it shows this is more of a mirror, James says. This should be more of a mirror than it is a club to beat somebody else over the head with. This should be a mirror that I look introspectively into my life. Say, God, where is it that I'm not following you? Where is it? What is it that I'm putting ahead of you? I'm going to challenge some of us. Would we sow into God's word? As we're reading God's word, we're reminded that our God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. That we serve a nothing's too difficult, nothing's impossible for him kind of God. And if you don't believe it, try it for seven days. Try sowing this in your life every single day. You can find it. I'm going to bring it up here. Shine, that's yours right now. There you go. I love that. Like you, just, just try it. Starve, doubt, negativity, sin. Feed, sow God's word. Everybody good? I encourage you to do that. Watch what the Bible says. Psalm 1, verses 1. Oh, the joys for those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Who are or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers? What's that telling us? Starve those things. 
traps, things that may pull us away from God. Starve those things. But watch. They that delight in the law of the Lord. Right here. They that love God's word. They meditate on it day and night. Sow this. Sow it. Watch what it says. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit in every season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Come on, don't we want to be people that are bearing fruit in an unbearing world? Right? When the world looks dry and empty, don't we want to be people that are fruitful, making an impact for the kingdom, for all of eternity, for Jesus? Like, let us be those people, God. You know how we're going to do it? Starving and sowing. Starts with God's word. The next thing I think we got to do is God's house. Come on, let's sow into God's house. Let's put some roots down in God's house. Again, I said, man, congratulations for being here. First service on the literally daylight savings time weekend, right? I love that so much. You're sowing some roots. That's what you're doing. You're sowing roots down here. You're putting some, some roots in the ground. You're saying, hey, I, I, I'm going to choose to be around some people and build my faith with these people. Psalm 92 verse 12 says, but the godly, and I love the, the idea of how this kind of goes uh, all together. I love the idea that this happens to go together. Psalm 92, verses 14 through, uh, 12 through 14 says this, But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are plant, transplanted to the Lord's own house. That's what the Bible says. They flourish in the courts of our God. Watch what it says. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. Come on, I just believe it to be true that you're going to have to have, I'm going to have to have some people around me in God's house that I'm connected with that says, you know what, hey, when you're you're walking through something, we're walking through it with you. And when you're going through something, when a celebration happens, we're celebrating with you. And when when somebody connects to Jesus and, man, they have a a salvation experience with Christ, man, we're going to celebrate that together. Like there's something powerful about being in God's house. Let's build some roots. Let's think some roots down here. I'm going to encourage you, join a crew. Get in a crew. Like be a part of some people around you that know your story. Yeah, it's big on Sunday. But man, be a part of being in a circle with some people that know what you're going through, that are there for you, that know your name, that are there to walk through it with you. I encourage you to jump on the team. Man, next, as the girl said earlier, next is next Sunday. Man, what are you waiting for? It's time for you to sink some roots down here in this house. I just encourage you, next is the great place to start. Would you do that? Would you do that next Sunday? And then the last thing I'm going to tell you about is, come on, let's sow. Let's be rooted in Christ, in Jesus. I know what the world says. I know what the world wants to try and get in our lives. I know what the world tells us to attach to. But I'm just asking us, would we have a passion to be connected to Jesus? John 15, 5, the Bible tells us, I am the vine, this is Jesus, you are the branches. Those that remain so in me, those that are rooted in me, those that are connected to me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think for far too long, we've tried to do it all without Jesus. We've tried to do it without being connected to him. And I just, I, I just think it's time for us to Starve some things and sow some things. I got a, I got a story of a, of a gal in our church, and I, I want to read this to you, uh, of some roots and some fruit that you're seeing in her life. It said, our family moved from Hopkinsville to Murray September of 2020. 
we attended our first Purpose Church service on Easter of 2021. So listen to me. You think your invite doesn't matter? It sure does. You think inviting somebody to egg drop doesn't matter? I promise you it sure does. I encourage you to do that. Watch, they showed up for the very first time on Easter 2021. With COVID closing our Hopkinsville church doors, moving us in the middle of the pandemic, we, tr- we struggled to find a church home. The Easter service was absolutely amazing, and I was so happy to be surrounded by fellow followers of Jesus. Kicking off going back to church in person started with this service was just what we needed. Church online just wasn't the same. Our family has gotten more involved in church. Roots. Like we're growing some roots in the community. Roots. Since we started attending. Charlie, her husband, is a part of the Purpose Kids team. Roots. And I'm a part of the outreach team. Roots. We are attending a crew. Roots. That we absolutely love and have made lasting connections and friendships. Fruit. Our son Asher loves attending Purpose Kids. Roots. He gets so excited for Sundays, and he started saying, God is in my heart, and he loves me. Come on, that's some fruit right there, right? I love that. I was expecting our second son when we first started attending, and I remember church members set up a meal train for us as we brought him home. We had not been attending long, and we were not yet members, but the act of service meant so much to us and showed us how caring for the members of purpose that they were. We're not like family, we are family. I still was attending at the middle school and Justin speaking about the plans for the lot. He said something like, your children will come to know Jesus within those walls. Come on, y'all, that's some fruit. That's some fruit right there. And I still think about that and I get goosebumps. Purpose has been such a perfect fit for our family. Roots, I'm finding becoming a member of Purpose. Roots is pushing me to be a better wife. Fruit. A better mom. Fruit. A better sister, fruit. A better friend, fruit. And we are so thankful that we found Purpose Church. Listen to me. It's not about our church, but it's about the fact that you and I are going to say, hey, we're going to sow into some things of God. And here's the thing. You can't decide to produce fruit in a day, but you can decide to sow some roots in a day. Like the fruit's not going to happen immediately all the time, but you can decide. And it's a conscious decision that you choose to sink some roots. So in just a second, I'm going to ask everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. As you're writing that down, as soon as you get done, go ahead and click your pen and just bow your heads and close your eyes. You're in this room. I'm asking you, first of all, to be connected to the vine that is the source of life, and his name is Jesus. And again, this series of what would Jesus do, this is the last week of Jesus' life, and here they are. Here he is. He's saying, see it, starve it, and sow it. And maybe you've never been 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 in a relationship with Jesus maybe you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus I'm asking that today would be that day that you say yes to him maybe you're here maybe you've never said yes to Jesus the Bible tells us that we've all sinned that that stuff that's in our life that's sin it's that we're we've messed up that that separates us from God and that Jesus was willing to come and die in our spot Even while we were still sinning, Christ died for us, the Bible says. And then the Bible tells us that if we'll just declare with our mouth, man, if we will will just say, hey, God, you can have my life. I'm going to declare with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I'm going to believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says that you will be saved. And so maybe you're in this room. You've never given your life to Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to ask you just to respond to the gospel today. You can say something like this. It doesn't have to be word for word, but you can say something like this. Dear Jesus... I want you to come in my life. 
I want you to save me. Forgive me. I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. And I will follow you for the rest of my life, King Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the grave. In Jesus' name I pray. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're listening online or, or watching uh, on the online as well, or listening on the podcast. I just want to tell you, if you just made that decision to follow Jesus, you just made the best decision of your life. I mean, we want to be a church that walks alongside of you in that decision. And so that QR code that the girls were even talking about up here earlier, that same QR code, you can scan that. And on that, when it takes you to that page, there's a spot there that says, Today I said yes to Jesus. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If that's you and you just said yes to Jesus today, would you just raise your hand, drop it right back down, and say, hey, that's me. I just asked Jesus to come in my life and save me. You just raise it up and drop it right back down. Nobody else is looking around. Just you and him. Say, hey, it's me. And drop it right back down. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we want to be a church that walks alongside of you. So if you don't mind filling that QR code out, that would be incredible. Come on, church, can we stand to our feet? Can we lift our hands? Can we give God a big shout of praise all over this place? Come on, give him a big shout of praise in this place.